I think uh, beginning any meeting like this is usually uh, an evolution, not a revolution. So uh, let's, uh, let's agree to start. I'll begin with prayer and then we'll have an introduction. Father, we're grateful for uh, this day, for the beauty of the earth that you've created, for being able to appreciate that and to gather as we have in freedom. We look back on this week and uh, celebrating the 4th of July and uh, are grateful for living in a country where we've had expensive freedom paid for by uh, many men and women who've given lives and uh, many years of effort to maintain that freedom. So thank you. Uh, thank you for the freedom we have to worship and to share stories like this. Uh, bless our hearing. Bless Catherine's speaking. May you, through your spirit, make us... Uh, better able to serve you as we appreciate each other's stories of faith in Jesus' name, amen. Again, uh, knowing someone well, or fairly well for many years, uh, I'm required to stick to the, the script rather than wandering around into uh, platitudes and gibberish. Uh, so here is uh, Catherine's introduction. Catherine Curry began attending Faith Church in 1990 is now back and serving as the guest services team after six years at Village Life. If you haven't seen the welcome desk moving around in the lobby here, you'll have kept track of Catherine. She's been a kindergarten teacher for 23 years. I suspect some of you uh, may have been her students or have had grandchildren or children that are students, uh, which doesn't leave her a lot of free time. But when she finds some, she enjoys reading, thus the... Uh, the icebreaker question, spending time with friends, swimming, learning about history, and vegan cooking and baking. Uh, Catherine has an interesting story to share, so Catherine, uh, share for us. Thank you. Good morning. If you can't hear in the back, just give a wave really big. <laughs> Psalm 111.7 says, The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. My faith story is woven together with reminders of God's faithfulness in small things where I've seen him plant seeds of truth that he caused to grow later in his timing. Dad was from a small town in southern Indiana and mom from a small town in northern Indiana. They met in Indianapolis through mom's cousin who played basketball with dad at the downtown YMCA. For those who've met Cindy Miller here at Faith, that cousin who introduced them was her dad. I spent lots of time with Cindy and her family during my childhood, so worshiping together now with Cindy and her husband David is a special blessing. Mom and dad, who are right here in the front, can you put your hands up? <clears throat> Mom and Dad were married and later moved into a little house in Broad Ripple. We only lived in that little house for three years, but I have memories of playing down the street at Broad Ripple Park under the giant trees. I don't remember the birth of my brother, but Pat came along 14 months after me. Mom mentioned I quit walking when he arrived, so he must have had an impact. We got along fine later in life. With only two bedrooms, mom and dad began to think of bigger quarters and we moved the summer I turned three. However, God used those few years in Broad Ripple to plant seeds of affinity for that community that would be used later in my adult life. 
his faithful hand at work. When I think of my childhood home, I remember a ranch house on Guilford Avenue near 101st in College, where I lived from age three till the summer I turned 11. Mom and dad were DIYers long before it was trendy and kept busy with house and yard projects. They worked hard, but made time for us as well. I remember joining dad up on the house as he put new shingles on the roof. I walked the ridge doing my hula hoop. Times were different back then. <laughs> he often built things for us to play with and had as much fun as we did. We also enjoyed just sitting on his lap, laughing and being silly. Mom read to us, made meals from scratch, sewed clothes, and found interesting places for the family to visit. My parents encouraged us to learn by exploring new things and to be responsible and independent. Pat and I spent two weeks every summer at our paternal grandparents near Vivi, Indiana. I have fond memories of this taste of small town and country life, laughing and talking around the table, the views of the Ohio River between the hills, the neighboring farms, the winding back roads, and splashing in the creeks. Well, Pat did more creek exploring. I was too afraid of snakes, so I usually stayed at the edge of the water molding little sets of dishes out of bluish-gray soapstone. We often came home from Grandma and Grandpa's or from a week at summer camp to find a room had been painted or papered or some other major project had been completed. So I'm sure these trips were a gift to my parents as well. The year mom had back surgery, we stayed with grandma and grandpa for two months instead of two weeks. That year I started kindergarten in Vivi, then moved home to continue at Orchard Park in Carmel. I was shy and hesitant to participate in classroom activities, yet school made an impression. I planned to be a teacher from the time I was a kindergartner. My maternal grandparents in Cherbusco, Indiana, had a love of history and passed on family stories and treasures. For example, my bed has been owned by five generations in my family, and it's still in wonderful condition. Grandma made a quilt for each grandchild. Grandpa made a blanket chest. They also traveled and brought back interesting little souvenirs and stories for their grandchildren. At Christmas for a number of years, I received a Laura Ingalls Wilder book to add to my set. As mom read those and other books to me in the evening, my interest in history and in reading grew. I continued to be very shy at school, was young for my grade, but tall, and was slow to begin reading. Once I finally started, I was an excellent reader, and books have always been a source of pleasure. My maternal grandma was with us longer than any of my other grandparents, so she's the one I knew and visited most during my adult years. She lived to age 97. God was faithful to provide such precious grandparents in addition to my parents, who each added so much to my life as I grew up. I knew I was loved, cared for, and enjoyed by the adults in my life. What a gift for a child, and God was faithful to use it to plant seeds of security and stability in my life. During elementary school, my closest friend was a neighborhood girl from a Jewish family. As we spent time together, I attended Friday evening services, family Passover meals, and even spent an afternoon at Hebrew school with my friend. Later, as I began to study the Bible as an adult, my memories of that time, especially the Passover meals, would help to illustrate the words on the page. God faithfully gave me experiences that helped me to better understand the Passover and Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. 
an even greater impact was made by two other friends who at age 10 invited me to join them at their Awana program. There are many things I've forgotten about Awana, but a few things I do remember. Everyone had a Bible, knew what it said, and used it a lot. They also talked with God often. At some point, there was a formal gospel presentation. I knew that I wanted to go to heaven one day, so I stayed, talked, and prayed with my leader. I didn't yet understand that it was my sin that separated me from God and that Christ's death on the cross paid for my sins so that I could have eternal life. However, I believed God was good and that being in heaven with him was good. So of course, I would do whatever was needed to be with him. Even with this partial understanding, he was faithful and a good seed was planted. In Psalm 119, we read, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are true. I have known from my earliest days that your laws will last forever. As a young adult, I would earnestly begin to seek him, and my memories of Awana helped me to know my answers would be found in the Bible. As an aside, it was about this time that I noticed a church being built in an open grassy field at 91st and College. Little did I know how God would use that church in my life. My time in Awana lasted for about a year as our family moved again the summer prior to sixth grade, and many of my activities shifted to those with friends at my new school, Nora Elementary. We now live just south of the North Central Stadium. This was a great location for our teenage years as we were able to walk to Northview Junior High and North Central High School and ride bikes to the YMCA. During this time, my family's church hired a children's choir director who invested a lot of extra time developing the program and in the lives of the students. She and her husband and my parents all set examples of active service at church, volunteering, providing leadership and care for the congregation. While I did not yet personally know Jesus Christ, the patterns of regular attendance and participation in church were firmly set, another example of God faithfully at work in my life. As junior high and high school continued, my life became busier and full of activities. I was able to keep my grades up with just a reasonable amount of effort, except math, there was my challenge, and I filled my after-school time with clubs, babysitting, and later work at the Jordan Y. I was not as shy as in my elementary school years, especially when I had a job to do. I began to depend on various activities and responsibilities to provide a sense of purpose and significance. At times, my busyness was a way to avoid other things, but overall, my life was fairly typical of a responsible, independent high school student. A friend from our family's church, Margie Osborne, invited and recruited, strong-armed me into joining the swim team at the Jordan Y, so all those years of Saturday morning swim lessons paid off. I only swam competitively for three years, but it enabled me to easily get my lifeguard certification when I was done, and I was hired at the Jordan Y as soon as I was old enough to work. I had been babysitting since I was 11, enjoyed children, and was already familiar with the swim program, so my hours were more heavily weighed in teaching swim lessons rather than guarding. I was especially good with the preschoolers and came up with a number of silly games and routines to get the little ones into the water practicing their skills. I also taught quite a few private lessons and continued to do so in backyard pools well into my 30s, long after my years of employment at the Y were done.
The other lifeguards and teachers became some of my closest friends during high school, and we enjoyed a lot of joking around and goofy traditions, especially during the summer when the full staff was there. Most of the aquatic staff were a little older than me, and by the time I was a senior in high school, I had already heard quite a bit about college life. One girl who attended Miami of Ohio mentioned a dynamic group of Christians and that she attended a Bible study at college. I keyed in on the words Bible study and determined to find one myself when I went to Indiana University. I found out later she was referring to Crew or Campus Crusade as it was called then. During high school, I had a growing dissatisfaction with my spiritual life. I attended services regularly and took an active part in planning weekly events for the large youth group at my family's church, but I wanted more. My attempt to begin a Bible study fell flat due to lack of interest. During my senior year, I tried the youth group at a smaller church within our denomination where school friends attended. Rather than focusing on big weekly events, this youth group concentrated on building relationships and had a time of prayer at the end of each evening. But there still was not much time given to Bible teaching or study, and I was certain that there lay the problem. Again, from Psalm 119, we read, Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. My short time at Awana, many years before, had become my guide or standard, and I knew that personal Bible study was what I needed to seek. Right before my freshman year in college, I went to a Christian bookstore and purchased a Bible. I suspect the clerk prayed for me as I had no idea how to answer her questions when she asked what version or features I wanted. Later on, I would work part-time in another Christian bookstore and have the joy to help others purchase their first Bibles and pray for them. I planned to continue to work for the YMCA's as a college student. When my interview in Bloomington was complete, my new aquatics director asked if I was looking for a church to attend when I came to IU, to which I replied yes. She invited me to her church, Evangelical Community Church, mentioning that it was walking distance from campus. I visited and it passed my test. Everyone had a Bible and used it. So I stayed, plugged in, and became a member during my junior year. At first, it was an adjustment to be part of a mid-sized church after growing up in a very large congregation, but it didn't take long for ECC to become my church family as I connected with others through attending adult Sunday school classes, assisting with the children's classes, babysitting for church members, and spending time in the homes of friends. God faithfully led me to someone who invited me to a good Bible teaching church during a time of life transition when I was open to change and seeking Christ. As I arrived on campus my freshman year, I was glad to see that the dorm welcome packet included a list of those campus ministries I'd heard about from my lifeguard friend. I began attending any meetings or events that looked promising, and again, I used my Bible test. There were a number I could knock off my list right away and ended up bouncing between crew, intervarsity, and navigators for much of my freshman year. Couldn't go wrong with any of those. I signed up for a Bible study with the first one to ask and even offered my room as a meeting place. I was glad to finally study the Bible, but frustrated at how much I didn't know. I had to write the page numbers down for every Bible reference in the study guide so that I could find it again in a reasonable amount of time. If a group member brought up a verse or a concept outside of the study guide question, I was stuck. I didn't have enough background knowledge to discuss it again without preparation. Our first lesson was on salvation, 
And it was at that time that I put together some of the pieces of what that meeting with my Awana leader had been about. I had answers to write in my study guide, but I did not have confidence that I understood it even yet. At one point, I cried out to God and asked him, if you are real, please show me. He heard, he answered, he was faithful. I ended up settling on crew. The large group meetings were big enough crowd that I could hide, which I appreciated since I lacked understanding of spiritual things. Even though I'd grown up in church, no one assumed that I had spiritual maturity. Crew focused on teaching foundational Christian doctrine, applying it to your life, and turning around and teaching it again to someone else right away. This was God's faithfulness in my life in a very big way. I might have floundered for quite a while, but instead I was presented with who God is, why Jesus came to earth, how to begin a life of faith, what the Bible is all about, over and over again by many different people in many different formats, and slowly I began to understand. During a crew Christmas conference in Chicago my sophomore year, there was training on how to explain the gospel to another person. I attended the training and heard, yet again, a very clear, simple presentation. Afterward, we walked the neighborhoods inviting people to local <laughs> churches, and I was paired with an older student. We visited with a middle-aged woman, and they chatted about how they had placed their trust in Christ to pay for their sins and now enjoyed eternal life, a relationship with Him. That evening was New Year's Eve, and we had a short time of prayer before midnight, followed by a concert. As we prayed in the new year, I told God that I didn't really know what had happened in Awana when I was a child, but now I understand that the wages of my sin was death, and that Christ, who was without sin, died to pay for them on the cross. I wanted to know him and that new life he offered, so I was placing my trust in him alone from that time on. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. Wow, and from that time on, studying scripture was like going from a blurry black and white page to vivid, sharp color. I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit gives understanding. The remainder of college was truly a greenhouse of spiritual growth with so many opportunities for steps of faith. I was mentored by another crew student and then a staff member and led a Bible study my junior year and two my senior year. I suppose that sounds a little fast, but Cruz campus ministry environment was perfect for me as a new believer. It gave me confidence to learn something and turn around and teach someone else right away. We were all learning together, caring for one another, and taking steps of faith. My first summer as a believer, I had the opportunity to do a stateside project for more discipling and training with Crew. As I began the drive to Branson, Missouri by myself, on the way to a place where I did not yet know anyone and still feeling really exhausted from the semester and alone without my new Christian friends, I prayed, Jesus, you're the only one I have now. Please help me. And he did. I had a strong confidence that he was with me and I was not alone and I need not be anxious. That absolute confidence bringing strength and contentment has continued throughout my life. I have never doubted his presence. This is God's faithfulness and kindness, especially as the years have continued and I've lived my life as a single adult. Isaiah 41.13 says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. That summer was wonderful, of course. 
Good friendships were formed as we lived together, studied the Bible, and served in the community. Our large group teaching times and small group discussions were based on material from The Search for Significance by Robert S. McGee, which is still in print. What perfect timing in my life as a new believer. In addition to verses of scripture, we memorized a truth statement, which I can still recite all these years later, despite having a horrible memory. You have great significance apart from your performance and others' opinions of you. You are deeply loved, fully pleasing, and totally accepted by God. Reread that again to yourself, and just let the truth of those words sink in for a moment. We spent time that summer studying our identity in Christ and how to respond to the traps of performance, approval, blame, and shame. I wish I could say that was the final nail in the coffin of any false thinking in my life. However, God was faithful and a firm foundation was being formed. My second summer as a believer was spent in Romania. After being introduced to Ann Benson with a panicky phone call when I realized I needed some help with an expired passport, not as easy in 1989 as it is now. What a time to be in Eastern Europe. I met people who had never heard the name Jesus or met another believer or even a foreigner. One of the highlights was when we were able to spend time in an isolated place with a group of believing college students, worshiping, studying scripture, and encouraging one another. My faith in Christ was not the only new thing in my life at that time. I had had frequent headaches in high school, but they were minor sinus headaches and hardly noteworthy. During my freshman year in college, I got my first full-blown migraine with indescribable pain, extreme sensitivity to fragrances, tiredness, and hours of vomiting. I would continue with frequent migraines, sometimes daily, sometimes several a week, for many years, not always as intense and thankfully not always with vomiting. I found ways to manage them as much as possible and just continued on. Life was very busy, and when I didn't have a headache, I felt great. Migraines seem to go in cycles, and everyone's experiences with them are different. But for me, I was usually able to teach through the daytime migraines and make it home before they escalated, so rarely had to take time off work. One of my earlier principals complimented me after a classroom observation by saying, my classroom always seems so calm. Well, that was all part of my migraine management plan. <laughs> By my late 30s, I worked with a neurologist and was able to decrease the intensity of pain significantly. Thankfully, I'm now even seeing a decrease in the number of migraines. Although my migraines are small compared to those with serious illnesses, I have a glimpse of God's faithful care as he was very near in the times of pain when my only thoughts were just take the next breath and Jesus. I was always confident of his presence and never lost hope. Back to my days at IU. My choice to major in elementary education with a minor in early childhood was essentially made way back when I was a kindergartner. I spoke as little as possible in school, but when I came home, I organized lessons with my dolls and stuffed animals. Almost every volunteer and paid position I had taken as I got older had been working with children. However, I now question whether a choice made before I knew Christ was God's will. As I got to know more families in my college church, I learned about other education options in addition to public schools. My church hosted a very small Christian school, giving me an easy way to explore Christian education. I observed, 
volunteered, and finally subbed during my senior year. I was so impressed with the quality of education, the concept of teaching from a biblical worldview, the relationships between staff, parents, and students, and what could be done on a limited budget. I returned to Indy to do my student teaching in Washington Township with a plan to seek a position at a Christian school upon graduation. God was faithfully confirming the desire and plan to teach that had been in my heart since childhood. During my time away at college, Mom mentioned that former missionaries from Africa had moved in next door. How excited was I to be introduced to Dave and Ruth Van Rieken. Their world travels, varied life experiences, and faith and warm hospitality made them ideal neighbors. By the time I came home to student teach, my requirements for a good church were a bit more than everyone has a Bible and uses it. I had a basic sense of a good doctrinal statement and was looking for a missions-minded church, so I followed Dave and Ruth to faith, and here I am today. In visiting with Ruth in those early years, she asked if I had an understanding of the order of the people and events in the Bible and recommended I take a good Bible survey class. I didn't have that opportunity at the time, but had just enrolled in Bible study fellowship upon the recommendation of friends from my college church. Those years in BSF filled in many gaps for me. It was often a challenge to complete the lessons while also beginning a new career. However, I'm continually grateful for the understanding gained in BSF each time I open my Bible to teach my students. We had three services at Faith at that time, and I was young and energetic, so I planned to teach children's Sunday school, attend the singles class, and then attend service. The first week home from college, I showed up at the church office one morning to offer myself as a children's Sunday school teacher. I realize now that was a bit unusual, but Margaret Johnston, the children's director at the time, was in the building and graciously interviewed me on the spot. I spent a number of years in the second and third grade Sunday school class, and one of my earliest students, Joe Reed, prayed that I'd get a job as a teacher at his school, Heritage. I spent four and a half years at another Christian school, but the day I finally carried in a load of boxes to my new classroom at Heritage, Joe just happened to be in the elementary building and held open the door for me. We rejoiced in God's faithfulness. I suspect he learned about persevering in prayer from his parents. I've had the joy to take a few encouragement trips visiting missionaries and to be involved in a variety of ministries at Faith over the years, but the one that probably spiritually stretched me the most was when a small group of us began a new singles ministry. I discovered how much I liked being part of a team that begins new things. Perhaps we were more aware than usual of our dependence on Christ, our need of prayer, and the importance of welcoming newcomers. Strong friendships were formed in the small group Bible study as we dug into scripture. The Canada's provided guidance to the group for a time, and Charlene's influence especially continues in my life. I can still hear her saying, we come to church to serve. While that may not be all, I appreciate the outward focus. I had just moved into my first house and enjoyed having space where younger women could come and talk, pray, cry, process scripture, and life. My life was fairly established and thankfully low on drama, so I was glad to be a listening ear day and night. We all wrestle with family and life issues and at times desire what we don't have. During this time, I wrestled with the desire to have children of my own. Honestly, that was harder than the desire to be married. But God was faithful and provided strength and contentment. I was surrounded by children and families each day and could truly call each class of students my own, if only for a year. 
God also blessed my brother and his wife with three wonderful children, and they graciously spend time with us most holidays. I thoroughly enjoy being an aunt to Clayton, Lauren, and Liam. Through friendships with families at church, I was able to spend lots of time with little ones on a more regular basis, and am now having fun watching them grow up as well. Being never married and without children may not be what every little girl dreams of, but I can say without any hesitation that it is also good. As our singles group was focused on younger adults, I knew when I turned 40, I'd step out and look for another ministry in which to serve. The A-team was beginning, and it was a good fit. Our group has taken many forms, grown, and has now become the guest services team, including those who run the cafe area, greet, staff the welcome desk, and serve as ambassadors. Ambassadors visit with guests around the lobby. Here's a shameless plug. If you don't yet have a spot for service at Faith, the guest services team might be a great fit for you. Our team has people with all kinds of gifts and abilities, and you can work as little or as often as you'd like each month. Come join us. I'm at the desk most weeks, so I'd love to chat with you. I continued with guest services ministry, but changed locations when we as a church planted Village Life in Broad Ripple. When I heard a new church would be started, I prayed for those who would go, but assumed it would not be me, because I lived fairly close to Nora and did not want to drive further. I also loved faith and had never considered leaving. When it was announced that the church plant location was Broad Ripple, that changed everything. Broad Ripple was right around the corner, and I already knew on a smaller scale how satisfying it was to be part of a new ministry. I was in a season of wanting to simplify my life, so a small neighborhood church was appealing. I'm glad I went. The years of village life allowed me to be more plugged into the Broad Ripple community I'd always loved and my own neighborhood. One thing I missed, though, was having peers at church, as we had mostly young families and couples. However, God was faithful to deepen a friendship with Renee Four through prayer time before church and in serving on the Elder Search Committee, and also to develop new friendships through those who faithfully served on the welcome team each week. That's our name for guest services. The gap was also filled through a long-term strong relationships at Heritage and in an ongoing summer Bible study with Allison Aulis, Luanna and Leah Patterson from Faith, Taffy Green, who was also at Village Life at the time, and Janice Upchurch from College Park. I'm so blessed with long friendships in my life. For those of you familiar with the seven love languages, I'll mention that the one that seems to speak to me in friendships is acts of service and I was well cared for and felt loved by my Village Life Church family and was able to care for others in return. I was a familiar face as I stood behind the welcome desk most Sundays, visiting with guests and helping with any little detail that made the evening run more smoothly. Anytime I walked in or out of the building with a load, one of the guys just grabbed it without being asked. Since I lived minutes from church, it was easy for someone to stop on the way home to help if I needed a second set of hands with a quick project. With several new babies being born every year, there were lots of opportunities for me to provide meals and encouragement to these young families, and they all seemed to appreciate my vegan dishes. Kyle and Jen Palmer did an absolutely amazing job organizing a service team, which any of us could call upon for projects in our homes or neighborhoods. Friendships were deepened through working together, and God was faithful to bring spiritual growth as well. I was very grateful for how well the church actively cared for one another and glad to see that a number of village lifers have become part of the faith family. 
Back when I was hired at Heritage Christian School, our administrator told us in New Staff Orientation to teach as if we were going to be there for a lifetime. That's good advice for service anywhere. I was always well prepared and put in extra hours, but I wasn't thinking about a lifetime commitment. Well, that was back in 1995, and I'm still there and still in kindergarten. Every year I begin by telling the students that I've been given gifts. That makes them very excited. We like presents in kindergarten. Then I explain that it's not my birthday and it's not Christmas, but that Jesus chose each one of them, especially for me this year. I teach them the refrain of count your blessings, and I give thanks for each child by name in prayer. At home, I have a jar of stones to remind me of each one of these precious gifts and of how he has faithfully enabled me to teach them. They are my stones of remembrance. I have 722 stones in my jar from my four and a half years in first grade at my first Christian school and my 23 years in kindergarten at Heritage. God has been faithful to provide a special love for each child, insight into their unique needs, wisdom in encouraging and communicating with parents, and patience and endurance to finish each year. He's also provided an incredible support team. I cannot say enough good things about the administrators, faculty, and staff that I serve with. Many have been co-workers and truly dear friends for 20 years or more, and we've loved, prayed, and supported one another through the challenges of the classroom and of life. The same can be said for so many of the longtime Heritage families. It's common to see a group of teachers or parents praying any time of day, not just during a scheduled meeting. We work as a team to make our grade level shine, not compete to get a leg up on the teacher next door. When someone has a need, we fill it, often without an organized sign-up. It's common to find a meal in your classroom fridge, an anonymous gift of cash in your mailbox, the loan of a car, notes of encouragement, or coverage for your class. In case you think Heritage is one stop short of perfection, I'll also say the work is hard, the hours are long, and there is no end to them. And there are people, so there's sin, of course. Every year I'm determined to set boundaries, and yet in May, my dear summer Bible study friends watched me crawl out of school dead tired, hardly able to find my own car and drive home. But it is worth it to watch a child go from learning letter sounds to reading stories and writing sentences is truly an amazing process. And I'll never get tired of opening my Bible and telling the Old Testament miracles many have never heard yet, such as the stories of Elijah and Elisha. Many times they're waiting with anticipation till the end and then they clap or cheer. Why not? I love our Christmas and Easter traditions, making memories and teaching the students why Jesus came to earth, died, and rose again. Some of my single friends dread Valentine's Day, but it's always been a happy day for me, with balloons, chocolate, and a room full of kindergartners thrilled to receive mail. Every day I get to open the Bible to teach and at the end of each month, I get to listen to each child recite their memory verse passage, knowing that they're beginning to use the Bible and make it their own. I'm sure my students will forget much of what went on in my kindergarten classroom, but I hope they remember my open Bible every day. And I know God is faithfully planting good seeds in their life, which will come to fruition at just the right time, his time for them, just as he did for me. Psalm 78 says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and, his wonder, and the wonders he has done. 
Then they will put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. Those of you who are mothers or grandmothers may have brag books to show off photos of your babies. Well, I have just a few more pictures to show of some of the gifts God has given me. I'm not gonna show you all 722 gifts, but I picked out a few that you might recognize, and I sure hope I didn't miss anyone. I picked out the ones that I thought would either be here or their parents or grandparents would be here. So we have Anna, Anna Wiesman, Annalise Baker, uh, Margaret Fairweather, and Meg's grandparents go here. I'm not sure if they're here today. Caleb Baker and Ethan Baker. Harrison Waltz, Lucy Petclow, Jack Pinkston, and Audrey Waltz. These are what they looked like as kindergartners. They were my students. <laughs> we're getting the kids who have really grown up now. Grace Fairweather, Lindy Peklo, Sam Sawada, Natalie Martin. Mitch Fairweather, Rebecca Goldenetz, Abby Peklo, and Jolie Pinkston. And Andrea Martin, Caitlin Leatherman, Jack Fairweather, Amanda Aulis. Allie Martin, Jenna Pinkston, Beth Davidson and Emily Aulis. And I think that's it for the kids. And there's my fur babies. <laughs> that's Annie and Daisy. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Are there any questions? Um, well, the Holy Spirit works on our, in our lives, and I didn't understand it till college. Yes, I was churched, but I, I didn't, um, didn't have a lot of exposure um, in a way that I could understand. You know, the Holy Spirit's timing is just right for each person. Okay. So, you were sort of fanatic about the Bible. Mm -hmm. I didn't really study the Bible for myself um, personally until college. Yeah, um, but the Holy Spirit's timing is right, you know, for each person. That was his timing for me. Um, and I'm just so grateful that um, there's good campus ministries. When I talk to college students who are just coasting through college spiritually, I just want to say, oh, what you're missing. But you know what? That's God's timing for them is another time. And um, for me, that was the time for spiritual growth. Um, and I'm so grateful for those campus ministries and for a good college church to plug into. Mm -hmm. so. You mentioned a couple of milestones in that period. Uh, mm -hmm. Alana under a Yes. Was the Margie Osborne you showed a picture of uh -huh. one that we know? Yes, that's Margie Osborne from here at Faith. So Margie, um, I'll let her tell her story, but BSF was very significant for Margie in coming to know the Lord. Um, so, but she can elaborate, let her tell her faith story. Um, but yeah, Marky and I grew up at the same church and uh, we swam together at the Y. And um, yeah, so that's the Marky Osborne we know, who is also in guest services. So if you want to serve with Marky, <laughs> she's one of our ambassadors um, and just wired for that. I tell you, what an extrovert. Yeah. 
<laughs> she was as a kid too. But we take introverts as well. We've got a job for everybody. I'm on a recruitment phase. Feeling is mutual. Mom and Dad have loved love having you as neighbors, and um, have loved being able to um, help you. And, and I'm sure the and the feeling is mutual. Yes. <laughs> yes. My parents are master gardeners, so they loved having a yard next door. They could just. Continue on. <laughs> the first time that I met Ruth, she was down in a hole in the ground. And I couldn't believe it. I went over hadn't met her yet. What are you doing, man? And there was a leak in the basement. And she was digging out around the foundation. Dave was out of town. Dave was out of town. Yeah. So anyway, that was a good area. So he came over and dug for us. Because I didn't know that. Those 722 stones representing mm -hmm. that children who had contact with that. I'm sure there must be some times when you get affirmation after the fact. Of course, the kids go to heritage, but mm -hmm. how often does that happen where you see one of your children come back and maintain a relationship or show some appreciation? Um, well, two ways to answer that. So the question is about affirmation of you know students. One thing is, as one of our administrators, oh, about midway through my years at Heritage, encouraged us to keep a folder um, as we got notes from students or now emails or um, significant things that happened to put them in that encouragement folder. So I started that maybe midway through my years at Heritage. Um, if a student would write a note or a parent would write a note of encouragement, um, and so that has been really good to go back and look. You know, a parent might write a note. I didn't realize a child trusted Christ maybe at home or at church, but then referred back to a Bible story I taught or something in kindergarten. Or, um, you know, something really significant happened at home and it involved something in kindergarten. Or they just appreciated extra effort that I made in kindergarten. Or a child wrote out something. Um, I put it in that folder. So that's been really good. Um, as for kids coming back, well now I've been there long enough, I am having kids coming back as parents. Um, so I'm teaching now second generation. So I've taught um, children of my students now. So that is quite an affirmation when they come back as parents and you sit down at a parent conference. Sometimes you wonder, did I say this to your mother? And did I say it the same way? Because sometimes you did. Um, but um, when that parent comes in with lots of, um, first of all, you know, they always have first day jitters about their child, but they feel so much more confident placing their kindergartner in your care when it's their old kindergarten teacher. Um, and they enjoy kindergarten in a whole different way when they're living it again as a parent. Mm -hmm. It's fun to have, it's fun to be around for a while. <laughs> And you know what, that's very unusual today. Uh, most people change jobs, you know, eight to 14 times in their career. And um, not me. <laughs> I'm still there. <laughs> yes. Catherine, uh -huh. 
it's obvious that you love teaching, you love what you're doing. Um, have you seen any students that you had at kindergarten, I guess, or whatever, that have come back and said, you were my favorite teacher, and that's because, that's why I went into teaching and education, because you planted yeah. that seed. Um. You know, while they're still in elementary, they'll they'll often say, you know, you're my favorite teacher. But it seems like with kindergarten, there's so many teachers ahead of them. You kind of drop off the radar for them, but not for their mothers and their fathers. They're the ones when I go to those high school graduation parties. They're the ones that really because you invested so much time in them and in their child, but also in them as parents, getting them started in school more the parents are more apt to say you were our our favorite you hate to say that but you were the one that really poured into our child and we're seeing this come out of the child because of what you did and you really helped us get started in school and in parenting and in so many ways i think the parents remember the connection more and they're only five or six you know and they have so many teachers after you um I think they're at least, they're, they're probably more apt to say that about a middle school, high school teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can answer that a little bit, because Catherine's the gift that keeps on giving to our family. Um, she taught her boys swimming at the Y. I don't know if you remember that, but, um, and actually, our, our son Joe was in South Africa, got in an undertow, and was able to get out. Oh, but, I'm so glad. Um, Yeah, technology can be used in a really good way. Um, it can also be, <laughs> yeah, it can also, as we all know, <laughs> too much technology can also be a problem, but um, that would be a really positive example. And please keep reading with your kids and grandkids and talking with them. Um, doesn't matter what age they are. But yeah, a lot of kindergarten and preschool, early, early elementary years, it's educating parents and talking with parents um, because they are the children's best teachers, first teachers, um, and have so much influence in the children's lives. So um, whatever you can do to help that parent, the questions that they have, the ones that they're most concerned about, get them the resources and questions answered and, and help to direct their thinking, um, that 
will go miles for helping the child in the classroom. But yeah, you can't you can't read too much and talk as you're reading. Mm -hmm. Sure, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can do it. Sure. The, probably the best way to do that would be just to sit you in front of me and read a book. And we just do it like you were kids. Yeah. yeah, I would love to do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen. It's okay. You're so kind. You are so kind. That's only the Holy Spirit. I mean, I can't say anything beyond that, really. Um, but thank you. You're so kind. <laughs> You're so kind. And everyone has different gifts and abilities. And what one person does is not what someone else needs to do or should do. Um, and so serve in the way that God has gifted you to serve. And... Um, be thankful for what you have and use that. Um, but I will say, uh, as an introvert, because I am an introvert, um, and that is one of the gifts in being single, I have to have time alone. And um, God has given that to me as a single person. I am able to have some evenings. I may work a long day, um, and I may bring work home, but I. I have that time alone every day, and that is part of part of the way I'm able to be refreshed and able to continue giving. Um, so a lot of people time, but I've got that alone time. I would give up anything just to keep that alone time. I'll give up sleep, I'll give up anything <laughs> to have that alone time in the house by myself. Um, I'm refreshed and ready to go the next day. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, but God, God enables. I know that uh, a lot of school classrooms now are using tablets and mm -hmm. iPads and so on. Does that start in kindergarten, or how long do uh, they have before kids are wanting to use? Yeah, well, <laughs> the problem is when they're two, their parents hand them their phone. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, or younger. Um, in the classroom, sure, yeah, it is starting in kindergarten, but it shouldn't be the primary source of, of practice or instruction, of course. Um, it's one method of 
review, but it's not the way young children learn best. Young children learn best by doing. Um, they need to have their hands moving, not their little finger swiping. Every little swipe is a missed opportunity to develop fine motor skills. So um, I would certainly want to have a classroom where time on the iPad was limited, especially for young children. Now as they get older, you know, if it's like a school where instead of using textbooks they have an iPad, you know, that's a little bit different. Um, I certainly hope we still have children who can read on the page um, and know how to turn pages and follow in books. Um, but I am not concerned that any child growing up in this day and age is, is going to have trouble um, with technology skills. They're just, everything is, is pretty user friendly now and kids just grow up. You just put it in front of them and they go. It's intuitive for them. So um, um, we actually, there's a trend now in education to be pulling kids off of electronics. Um, we used to say, oh, we've got to get more electronics, especially into impoverished areas. Um, those kids are, are really suffering. We've got to get more electronics in. Well, now we're seeing that in schools of, of wealthier kids, they're pulling them off because they're seeing how, how much it's influencing brain development. It's um, hindering social skills, and so they're pulling them off. So I would say certainly limit it when they're younger and um, just be aware that it does, it always needs, just like we as adults, we get attached to those smartphones. Mine's in my pocket, so I'm patting. We get attached to those smartphones. Um, but they should have boundaries like anything else. Oh, that's okay. You did even your student teaching in a Christian school, right? Uh, no, I did my student teaching in Washington Township at Greenbrier Elementary, in kindergarten and first, both. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I wondered if you had any experience in the public schools in Jumpera. Yes, all. What you have to share the gospel? Mm -hmm. in um, and at IU, we did field experiences from sophomore year on. So all of that, of course, was in the public schools, and my student teaching was in the public school. So my only Christian school experience prior to graduation was that small Christian school in Bloomington, where I volunteered and, and subbed. Um, and then I graduated in December. I subbed for six weeks, beginning in January, which was about four weeks too long. I did not care for subbing. And I subbed in Washington Township, uh, because I had student taught there, and then in three different Christian schools around Indianapolis, and then just took the first job offered. Um, and that was for a teacher that was leaving midway through the semester due to a, uh, her husband had moved. And so she just stayed till the household. So I took a, a position at a Christian school on the west side of town, and then stayed there for the next four years. Until Heritage, actually I had interviewed at Heritage, and um, the principal said, uh, until, you have, until you have experience, you know, we won't hire. Um, and so I told her I'll get experience and come back, and I did. So, yes. Uh, first grade, just kindergarten and first, yeah. Although I tutor in the summers, and I've tutored um, preschool through fifth. But I definitely like the younger grades better. Mm -hmm. And I did have one uh, long summer teaching fifth grade Sunday school, and I had to work very hard to be mediocre. Yeah, it's not my, not my niche. <laughs>